Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa Curry-Lowitz, and I'm here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Elisa Unfiltered. You're listening to the voice of Elisa Curry-Lowitz. I am your host, and today it is Wednesday, June the 10th. Oh, we are into June, people. It's happening. And today I have a beautiful and very impactful show with my friends over at the Body Love Society. But just quickly before we get into that, I want to just take a moment here and pause Let's get into our bodies and breathe. This month has been extremely challenging for us in many, many new ways, many insightful and impactful ways. Just when, for me personally, I was getting into a positive mindset and finding routine and beginning to accept my life as it is during this pandemic, the Black Lives Matter movement began and my world as a white privileged woman living in Canada was flipped upside down. So it's a very positive flip. I have learned so much. And like many of you, I'm still processing everything that I've learned, which I will address at a later time. I promise you have my word. Elisa Unfiltered has always been and always will be a platform where I freely express my opinions, learnings, and amplify the voices of people who have taught me how to love myself deeper in this journey of life. And that will never change. I look forward to diving deeper into Black culture in the future. However, I just wanted to start this show with a brief moment It can be a moment of silence, respect, and gratitude for all of my new teachers that are teaching me right now, for all of the Black women and men who are changing the way I see the world, and I would love for you all to join me. So let's take a deep breath in and exhale. Thank you all for that. Today, my show is all about, all all about, (laughs) I can't speak already. Oh my gosh, this is going to be good. Today, my show is all about breaking the spell of diet culture. Are you constantly thinking about your body and wishing it looked different? Are you tired of comparing your body to the past or those around you? Is it a goal of yours to be in a place of peace in your body right now? If you answered yes to any of these questions, this episode is for you. Oh my goodness. Today, I'm speaking with Jenna from the Body Love Society. Jenna and her business coach partner, Lauren, have created a wellness space to find wellness without obsession. This is amazing. Oh my God. To stop dieting and make food easy. Hello. That sounds amazing to me. They also host an incredible podcast. It's called How to Love Your Body. 
So go check that out. And this week, they've actually launched a new course called the 21 Day Body Image Intensive. This is a 21 day program, it costs $21 Canadian and 50% of the proceeds are going towards the Loveland Foundation, which makes it possible for black women and girls nationally to receive therapy. It's a beautiful cause. It's an amazing course. You can sign up for this course by pressing pause right now and heading over to their Instagram page at the Body Love Society and click the link in their bio. You can give them a follow while you're over there. They have an unbelievable social media or go to their website at www.thebodylovesociety.com. I realize that this is a longer episode and I can assure you that no matter where you are and your relationship to food and your body or your body, I should say, you are going to want to listen to this entire conversation. It's so good. To be honest, I had, you can actually hear it in my voice as I'm exploding and having aha moments and shifting my opinion about food and diets. Oh, it's amazing. I'm going to stop talking about right now. Let's get started with the show today. All right. I am really excited for this interview. I have Jenna from the Undiet with Jenna and Lauren. How are you today? Hi, I am good. Thanks for having me. So we're on Skype, on the Skype phone, talking to each other on the video (laughs) because you are in Calgary, Alberta, correct? Yes. All right. A fellow Canadian. I love it. Now, before we get into this whole show, how are you doing? How are things going all the way over there? You know, <laughs> I'm alive. The children are all alive. Oh, and good. we are learning a lot and getting through everything. Getting through and everything. Just like everybody else. <laughs> oh, I hear you. I, just, I like that, though. Getting through it. We're getting through it over here, too. One of the ways that I have been getting through this whole COVID pandemic, the self-isolation, and uh, even this past couple of weeks with the Black Lives Matter movement is I have been turning to social media and I actually found you guys, I think it was like a month ago or two months ago, and your Instagram posts for at the Body Love Society are so they resonate so deeply. So I'm I'm like so stoked to talk to you about all of the things you talk about on social media because it is like a I'm I'm just gonna get into the questions. My first question for you is what is an undiet? An undiet is the unraveling of everything you've been taught about food, movement, your body your physical health, unraveling that, kind of going down to the foundation and rebuilding it with the truth. Because diet culture teaches us a lot that is untrue. Mm -hmm. So to heal that, you really have to go back to the beginning and rebuild it. And that's how you have a healthy relationship with food in your body. And there is really no other way. The word undiet... I don't know where it came from. I've heard it from multiple well, people. Yeah. I've, we we kind of 
use that name. We were the Intuitive Eating Academy was our course before, Uh but we really like we don't teach just the 10 pillars of intuitive eating. We've really taken our own experience working with hundreds of clients and created a whole new system. Okay. So we wanted it to name it something that kind of resonated more with what we were doing. So we called it the Undiet. I Googled to see if it was already taken. Yeah. And um, the only thing I found was a woman who has a cookbook, which was gluten-free, vegan, da-da-da-da-da, the Undiet. I was like, what? <laughs> Excuse me. I will take this name, please, because you are not using it properly. <laughs> so true. we really have taken that on. And since then, not to say someone else didn't come up with the name and used it, and that's why it's bigger now. But as we started using it, people were, like, using the word back to us, which was pretty cool. Obviously, non-diet approach is common already and all of that but I really think the undoing of what we know and the unlearning is such a big part of the process that the name really kind of says it best yeah so when I first heard that word I was like undiet that seems interesting and it got me reflecting on the diet culture because I have been extremely devastatingly beautifully impacted by the diet culture and I've done every single diet in the history of the world. I have weighed I've lived in a 235 pound body. I have lived in a 140 pound tight World Cup gold medal winning athlete's body. And it's really interesting because as I get older, I'm I'm 39 years old. I'm I'm a, I'm in my last year of my 30s. Off. Um, I feel like almost the undiet is has become a coming of age thing for me, where I'm learning so much about my own body and about how I'm unlearning all the beliefs, not just about diet and exercise, but about everything: relationships, love, money. It's kind of all evolving, and that's why I find this so impactful. And while I was sort of unpacking this type of thing, I realized diet culture is incredibly influential. I didn't, it didn't even occur to me, like, what is that? I'm sure there are people listening that are like, what's diet culture? Can you sort of speak to that a little bit? Like, what is diet culture, and what does it mean? How are we being affected and programmed? Mm -hmm. Well, that's why it's called diet culture, because it is a culture that you don't, you're living in it and you don't even see it. I explain it as like a fish swimming in the water. The fish Mm. does not know it's in the water. It just lives in it. And it's just like, obviously, this is my surroundings. I don't even know it's water. It's just where I live. It just is. Yes. But then once the fish jumps out of the water and sees the water from above, it's like, oh, I've been swimming in water this whole time, and then you can never unsee it. You forever know you're in the water, and you see it everywhere. So that's kind of what diet culture is. So it's the fact that you go to your staff room, and everyone's talking about, oh, I was so bad, I ate this last night, so I'm trying to be really good today. That's very diet culture-y. Or the fact that everyone's Mm -hmm. always trying to lose weight, Mm -hmm. even though they've been trying for 20 years and it hasn't worked, but they're still trying Mm -hmm. uh, because it's proven that diets do not work. It's Mm -hmm. the fact that thin bodies are always valued over larger bodies. It's that that we all believe that if you're thinner, you must be healthier. All of those beliefs is diet culture. And the reason it is called that culture is because we just think that that's all true. Mm -hmm. Like, well, duh, of course, that's all just, that's normal. That's real life. That's the way it is. But it's actually all BS. (laughs) It's not true. It's just how our parents were raised, how we were raised, and how 
that's that kind of cycle continues when your your mom talked about her body her, her whole life so then you grew up talking about your body your whole life and then your kids hear you talking about your body so then they see theirs the same way which is cool when you see die culture and you can't unsee it you can then repair your relationship with food and your body and your weight and your health and then once your kids aren't growing up seeing that they don't ever have to take that on as truth, which is cool. That is really cool. And I would imagine this whole movement can be misinterpreted in a million ways, the undiet. It kind of yeah. sounds like an anti-diet or a, yeah. I don't know, I, th- I feel like I read somewhere that you guys talked about how the undiet is rebelling against diets. Yeah, so that's the misconception is okay. the, 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 on one of our Instagram posts, we put the one side was rebelling against dieting and the other side was undieting. Okay. So re- rebelling against is still being controlled by something. And yeah, maybe you do need to rebel. That might be the first phase is like, F this, I don't care about like vegetables. <laughs> I'm just going to eat what I want. And that yeah. kind of for a lot of people is a necessary phase, but that's not the goal. Okay. The goal is not to say like, ugh, like I I hate everything about everything to do with wellness because that reminds me of dieting. And you do, being in retaliation your whole life is exhausting. You can't like you can't keep that up. So what undieting is, like I said, is stripping everything back to the foundation, which might involve some rebelling. But then you're kind of a like a clean slate. And you think, okay, well, what is wellness for me? How do I like to move my body? What what foods do I enjoy? What foods make me feel good? Mm-hmm. How, what lifestyle do I want? And lifestyle, I don't mean what foods do I want to eat and what foods don't I want to eat. But what, what do I want my relationship with food to look like? Oh, I binge eat. Well, I don't want to binge eat anymore. How am I going to heal that? I think about food all day. I don't want to think about food all day. How do I not do that? And you, all of those things come with undieting. And it's, I want to feel good in my body physically. Great. No one said... You have to feel bad. Like listening to your body, intuitive eating, undieting is all about feeling good. And what we say is just shift your focus from the way you look to the way you feel and you're halfway there. And that's the real thing that people miss is like, oh, well, if I'm actively trying to lose weight, if I'm thinner, if I look good, if my jeans fit, that means I'm healthy, which that has nothing to do with your internal world of who you are and how you feel. And I know that because yeah. when I was at my thinnest, I was absolutely miserable, obsessive about food, binge eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my life, was working out, eating as little as possible throughout the week and being super, super healthy and then binging on the weekends and then feeling so bad about myself and then starting again on Monday for 10 years. That's freaking exhausting. And that's when you focus on the way you look. When you focus on the way you feel, that's how I live now, where... I've had two babies and of course my weight has fluctuated and I'm not panicking about it. It's just like, Hey, my body's got me and I'm just going to keep listening to it. And that means one pregnancy, I gained three times the amount of weight as the other pregnancy. I don't know why (laughs) I did the same thing. My body just decided, Hey, you need more weight for this pregnancy. Okay. And I just trust it and it handles itself, which is beautiful. That's a really impactful statement because it is part of our culture to ignore our body's signals and oh, yes, yes, and to silence uh, the intuition and to go back to what we've learned, like the ego talk and the story in our brains, and sort of be mani- we manipulate ourselves often. Uh, so, 
you said something earlier, like I, um, I can't remember exactly what the quote is. I should have written it down. Um, some of the examples that you were giving, like, I want to feel good in my body. How do we start doing that? Like, how does that look in the undiet with the undiet mentality? It all, you have to start with ending the restriction. Ending the restriction. If you are still not allowing this food, not allowing that food, counting your calories, weighing yourself, that has to, that has to be step one because the food obsession Mm-hmm. The thinking about food all day, the binge eating, the all of that comes from restriction. If you didn't diet in the first place, none of that stuff would be happening. But we're not told that. We're told, hey, look, you're so out of control around food, you should diet more. Right. But that makes it worse. And it seems counterintuitive, but allowing all food, which is key, uh, is step one. So that means... No more food rules. So if someone wants to start, don't change anything. Just go about your day and notice how many food rules you have. Oh, it's after 7. I can't eat that. Or I can't have carbs after this hour. Or, oh, I already ate bread today, so I can't have it again. Whatever your rules are, even if they seem quote-unquote sensible, write those down for one day and think, okay, i got to start breaking these rules down and get rid of one at a time. Okay, well, I want to challenge this because... I just want, I want to learn a little bit more about this. Yes. And I feel like in my brain and in my body and where I am in my relationship to food is kind of somewhere right in the middle of being completely influenced by diet culture and this undiet and what you guys talk about. That's why I get pulled. I'm drawn towards the undiet more so. And because I have food sensitivities and... So I do have to pay attention because food, and I talk about this on my podcast often, I have been feeling really shitty for a couple of years and I've eliminated certain diets and I feel, or excuse me, certain foods and I feel amazing. Like I feel so much better. Do I eat those foods still? Yes. (laughs) On occasion or I allow myself to do that, but I know that it's going to hurt me in the long term. And that's where my food obsession comes with. So I'll eat, like I ate pizza, for example, on Mother's Day. And dairy is a no-no for me. Um, I also have gluten sensitivities, but they're not that bad. Dairy's bad. But I ate the pizza and I was okay with it. But then the next day when I was feeling really shitty, I was beating myself up for it. So that's where the mentality, that cycle goes. I got you on this one. First of all, I have celiac disease. Oh, okay. I do not eat one crumb of gluten ever, and I feel free. So it's mostly about mindset. Okay. It's understanding I can eat gluten anytime I want, and I choose not to because I don't want to die of colon cancer at 60. Okay. Like, it's a simple choice. Yes, that's okay. It's not a rule. It's not a have to. I'm not bitter. It's just, okay, I can go eat that if I want, and do I want the consequences? Right. And just make sure you're what when you're thinking like that, you're not thinking, oh, if I eat that, I'll gain weight. That's the consequence. No, you got to drop that focus, period. It has to be about genuine health, genuinely how you feel. So, so is so this the hardest you, stage? Is this the hardest thing to get through? Yes, but because the so what you're talking about, we call like an empowered choice. Okay. You can choose to not eat it because you want to feel good, and you can choose to eat it because it looks so amazing. And you're willing to put up with whatever happens. But the point is, choose it. 
you chose it. You're a grown ass woman. Yeah. Don't feel bad. You chose it. You decided this pizza's worth it. And I'm going to eat it and I'm going to feel shitty tomorrow. And then when you feel shitty tomorrow, remember, oh, I'm a grown up and made a choice. It's fine. Like, I just don't okay. feel great today. Okay. And maybe next time you'll be like, I felt so bad after that. I'm going to figure out if I can order pizza with no dairy free cheese. Yeah. cheese. Yeah. And make, and that's the thing is for celiac, like, I eat pizza, I eat muffins, I eat donuts, I eat bread like multiple mm-hmm. times a day. I eat everything, but it's all gluten free alternatives. But mm-hmm. some people use these sensitivities, allergies, illnesses where they can't like celiac disease where you can't eat gluten and they use it as an excuse to try to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Oh, I won't eat any carbs then or I'll only eat brown rice and sweet potatoes as my carb. It's like, okay, well, that's not going to end well. <laughs> you know you're going to binge if you do that. Okay, so wh- okay, so be- you said it's not going to end well because the binge is coming. So this is the type of yeah. cycle that we get into. So. That is the cycle, and that's the cycle I lived every single week for 10 years. You'd think I would have caught on. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I want to talk about binge eating a little bit in soon. So phase one is the initial exit. Where do we go from there? Yes, exactly. So that is the moment when you're like, oh, my God, I cannot diet for one more day. Like, I don't care what I have to do, but I'm not doing this anymore. And mm-hmm. this is where you're going to go learn about everything you're going to read all the books and listen to all the podcasts, and it, but it's just information. So now you have all these facts, okay. but nothing has actually changed. You might still even be counting calories or you might just be in the free-for-all, but you're not really doing any of the intuitive stuff. You're just learning, which is so important. But then there's phase two, which is the diet mentality detox. <laughs> Tell me everything. So it, yeah, and that's really just about changing the way you think. So that's kind of the breakdown that I was talking about, like realizing – oh, those beliefs I have, those thoughts I have, that kind of diet religion I am fueled by is all an illusion. Like, that's not real. I realize I've been pursuing weight loss for 25 years and it hasn't worked yet. Okay, it's accepting that, okay, it's probably never going to work. And that's okay. I don't have to be a certain size to be healthy or happy. I can work with the body I have and make it feel as good as I can and live a life that feels good isn't and is enjoyable so that's like just reworking the way you think yes which which, honestly 90 percent of the work (laughs) oh I was gonna say that that's a time-consuming thing like I can't imagine that happening overnight by any stretch like I mean even just my small little mentality detox about food and my relationship that has been an ongoing thing to unlearn over years and years I've been doing this like awareness work for 10 years and I still get drawn back in yeah I get sucked in and that, and that is why we do work with people on this and yes why we get that on diet academy which is our like biggest program where we go through all these five phases is because it's like especially if you like having someone reflect back to you like wait you just said that so you clearly have a belief in this still let's mm-hmm. tackle that like that makes it go much faster but but yes it's not overnight <laughs> that's oh. for sure yeah unlearning our beliefs or rewriting them is uh is the bulk of my work as well and yeah. i commend you that's this is this is a tough one okay so the men- <laughs> the diet mentality detox what's phase 3 Phase three is like kind of the deeper stuff. It's the inner self-work realizing, oh, I have self-worth apart from what I look like. Ah. I can 
I can accept my body as it is. I can love myself as I am. I am enough. Because if you still feel like you have to change yourself to be happy or healthy Mm -hmm. or good enough, it's going to be really hard to let go of that pursuit. Mm. The, the, the ahas are coming that I, I love that a lot and doing that self-love work and silencing the voice or changing the story or whatever it is, paying attention to the way you speak to yourself and having the mindset to, or the mindfulness to change that. Mm. Preach, preach girl. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very important because, and just to let everyone know, body acceptance does not mean you now like the way you look all the time. Ooh, say that again. Quite frankly, it doesn't really matter how you look, and that's the point. So body acceptance means, hey, this is the body I have, and I'm not going to fight against it for the rest of my life until I die, which might sound dramatic, but we have clients whose, like, 80-year-old mothers are texting them at Christmas saying, oh, my gosh, I made all these cookies, and I ate so many of them, and they're, like, feeling bad about eating cookies at 80. And it's like, that's just not the life I want. Oh. Oh, interesting. So, so it's like the younger you can do this work. I mean, the minute you find it is the right time, but but I think we need to say that one more time yet. That's beautiful. (laughs) I think we need to say that one more time though, that body acceptance doesn't mean you love the way you look all the time. That's a really big, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. It is a big thing. So I do think some people think you have to, in order to do this work, you have to be either you completely don't care what you look like anymore, so it doesn't bother you at all. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely fine if you gain weight or don't lose weight, and that's, like, totally cool with you. Mm-hmm. And you think you're hot shit, and, like, mm-hmm. no. It's just about not fighting with what is anymore. Not fighting ugh, with the storyteller for me. That's amazing. Okay, so moving forward, what's yes. the next? What's next? So phase four is the embodiment that's an important word, of intuitive eating. So phase one, you like learn about it. You're like, I get it. So many people say, I get it, but how do I actually do it? Okay. Because you have to like imprint it into your soul, if you will. (laughs) Tell me everything again. (laughs) Because it has to be intuitive for Mm -hmm. it to work. This is not an eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full diet, which it often turns into for people if they don't do all these phases. If you just say, okay, I'm going to go read the book Intuitive Eating and do it, it's really hard for a dieter's brain to to really grapple with all the ideas and keep it flexible and have it become a part of just your existence instead of, okay, what are the intuitive eating principles again? Okay, yeah, eat when I'm hungry. Okay, listen to my body. Okay, am I full on this bite or do I need one more bite or am I satisfied? Or da, 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 da. And if you're thinking like that, it's like that's not freedom either. It really isn't. I mean, I've gone through phases where I do that. I'll like take – a bite of something and it's so good and I want more or I want a second cookie and I just start beating myself up like crazy. It's so interesting how that freaking happens. So just remind me again, you kind of said it already, but just for me, I'm a slow learner. What intuitive eating, how does, how does that feel? Like, what does that look like? So for, I'll just tell you what my life looks like for me. It looks like I eat like a normal person. But what's normal? We make past, we also, like before, okay, I would bring Tupperware meals to my parents' house when I go there for dinner. I would 
have a meal plan all the time or I'd be counting something all the time or I wouldn't be eating carbs after breakfast or I would always have some rule. I'd be thinking about food before I finish my breakfast. I'm thinking about lunch. I'd be so particular about what I ate. If I did go out to eat or I did have a dessert, well, screw it. May as well go crazy and start again tomorrow. Like food was just such a problem all the time. Now I'm just like, okay, what's in the fridge? Oh, this looks good. Okay, I'm going to eat that for breakfast. I eat it. I don't think about food until I'm hungry again. Sometimes that's in an hour. Sometimes that's at 3 o'clock. And I'm like, oh, shit, I haven't had lunch yet. And, like, that annoying thing where you're like, oh, I forgot to eat. Like, yeah. I would have never said that when I was dieting. So all I was thinking about was when do I get to eat next because I was never satisfied, never actually full, never allowing myself what I wanted. And now I have like chocolate, some chocolate every night because that's what feels good. And I, if there's, if we're going out for pizza, I'm just excited. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There's no worry. It's just relaxed. And I'll eat a salad as readily as I'll eat pizza. There's just a time and a place for both. Right. Well, there is a time and a place for both in theory. And I'm going to challenge you or I'd like your opinion yeah. on uh, a lot of dietitians and nutritionists speak about the balance of eating, how to have a balanced lifestyle. And I am one of those people that has a really hard time with the balance part because I'm so busy. So I could, some days I could shove every single thing in my mouth and it's very bad for me and I'll feel like shit and I'll just get into this like, for me, um, balance is really choosing healthy whole foods, real food. I like to I like to make real food choices. The processed stuff for me, yes, I guess I eat it every now and then. I have pizza, I have chocolate, I have those things, but I get into a very negative place very quickly when I have sugar, a lot of sugar, for example. Sugar influences me or impacts me in a really negative way, as does dairy. Those two things. And I just, we, we might have touched on this already, but I want you to say it again because I like, I get stuck. That's where I'm stuck is when I look at the packaging of some of the food and the shit and the fillers that gets put into it, I don't really want to be putting that stuff in my body. I don't think that that's healthy. I don't think there's a, I think there's a lot of food out there that is not healthy for me. Yes, there's like a, a um, thankfully... Food is abundant where I live, and I'm a privileged woman who could, who has the means to buy organic produce, for example. But there's just this inner battle sometimes about that whole intuitive eating balance culture. Is that diet culture? Is that what that is? What? So the reason that's hard is first, all or nothing thinking is the root of dieting. Okay. Oh, I had some chocolate. Well, F it. I'm just going to eat every dessert in my house. I'll start tomorrow. Like, even if it's not a binge, you're just kind of like, well, I had an quote-unquote unhealthy lunch, so (laughs) screw it. The rest of the day, I'll eat whatever, and then tomorrow I'll eat good. The start tomorrow? Yeah, of course. Yep, yep. And I do that 100%. Yep. Yeah, and that's – so when you do the phase of truly breaking the beliefs down – Truly, like I know it sounds radical, but the end result is not. So it sounds radical, like to say, forget, I'm not really saying this, but forget about nutrition. 
Okay. At least at first. What, when you eat it, what feels good? What do you truly feel like eating? Mm-hmm. I remember this one night, me and my husband ordered pizza at like 11 o'clock at night, and I ate half a pizza while we watched a movie in bed. It just felt cozy. I felt so good. It was just like, oh, that was so delicious. It was just perfect. Oh, that sounds amazing. If I ate that pizza, <laughs> like, if you offered that to me at another time, I'd be like, oh, that made me feel so sick. Mm. I just read my body signals, and sometimes things are like, oh, that sounds amazing. Mm. And it's like a big cheesy pizza. And then sometimes I'm like, ugh, like I'm not that hungry, and I know like I need green things right now, and I eat that. But it's never I should. It's never this is so bad. It's never, oh, I got to make up for last night. It's just what do I want right now? It's presence. Okay. And if you truly let the let the idea go that, oh, this is processed junk. Mm-hmm. When you think, like, your brain is so, we are such animals. We, I can't have that. I shouldn't have that. I really shouldn't have that. That's really bad for me. I really shouldn't eat that. You're going to have five times more of it than if you just said, okay, well, I can eat that or I can eat this. What What do I feel like eating right now? And sometimes it might be the cookie with your coffee in the afternoon or sometimes it might be oh I need that green smoothie I'm gonna go pick that up from down the street Mm -hmm. and being so cool with both choices allows you to get out of your head and into your body and actually make the choice from a place of intuitive eating not a place of oh I should I shouldn't how many vegetables have I had today that 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 Mm -hmm. and then if I went and looked back what did I eat this month it's just like all the things and I felt good all month, and it's just chill. My, I have found a st- stable place in my body, even after two pregnancies. My body doesn't fluctuate very much. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, at peace. And yeah, I do eat chocolate every single day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes one little square is plenty, and sometimes I need a nice big chunk to satisfy myself. Oh, but, that. But, that, but that doesn't bother me. If I was eating something every night that made me feel horrible, yeah, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to stop eating this. That doesn't feel good. Right. So how you feel in your body, how certain foods make you feel is part of intuitive eating. Yeah. But I would also challenge any belief of sugar always makes me feel bad. It's like, okay, well, is that true? I'm not saying for you, but like for anyone. Okay, well, is that really true? Mm -hmm. Or every time you eat sugar, you actually eat so much because you're like, screw it. (laughs) <laughs> when in fact, some chocolate after dinner would feel beautiful and be so satisfying and feel decadent and you'd be done. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I don't, I, sugar, yeah, it's that, uh, I want you to keep and saying. If, I, and if you're like, no, it really, I just don't like it at all, so I don't need any and I'm great. Awesome. But if you thinking, oh, sugar always makes me feel bad, so I never eat it, but then you end up like binging or going crazy on certain days. Well, maybe allowing a little bit every day and knowing, hey, when I just have a small bit of that chocolate or a small scoop of that ice cream, it really satisfies me. I feel at peace and it kind of, it, it satisfies that craving so that I don't have those days where I'm just shoving everything in my mouth that I can find because that doesn't feel good. So yes. you kind of just got to figure out your own body, what works for you. And that's what's cool about intuitive eating. It works for anyone with any allergy, with any yeah. body size, with any anything, because it's about you figuring out your body. Yes. And that's like in my bringing it back to me cause so I can relate it out is like the listening to your body and 
it's part of the self-love, my self-love practice is to listen to my body's signals and to honor it in, in ways. And when I don't eat dairy, for example, which I do, I liked how you, you, you mentioned having empowered choices, making an empowered choice. I do weigh the pros and cons when I eat dairy, for example. It's interesting, (laughs) the learning about your body, because I find that not eating dairy is a form of self-love for me. Is that kind of what you're talking about when it comes to intuitive eating? Is yeah, it's sure. lo- loving if yourself as part of it. You, that's what works for you. For dairy, it's funny. I feel so. I could eat like a block of cheese, and I'm like, yeah, like high <laughs> fats for me feels so good. And and I'm kind of a similar way. If I eat a lot of sweet things, I feel like I have a stomach ache or I don't feel as good. Yeah, I have headaches and stuff. Yeah. And but I could eat literally like cheese and prosciutto and like the fattiest things you can find, and that makes I feel so good. And that's just what works for me. That might not work for someone else. So. It's like you got to figure out yourself, but you also got to realize that eating the chocolate is also self-care just as much as not eating the dairy. Because if you think avoiding quote unquote bad things is only self-care, that's diet mentality. It's like allowing myself to choose the pizza and not beat myself up after is also self-care. Okay. So it's like you got to realize it's not like see if you're th- see if for people listening, if your thinking is, OK, the quote unquote good thing is self-care and the bad thing is like I have no willpower. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be sometimes it's going to be self-care to order that pizza and just enjoy it. And other days it's going to be self-care to not because, you know, you're going to feel crappy the next day. It's really interesting. On my Instagram stories, I oftentimes ask uh, questions like, what have you done for your body today? What, how have you loved yourself today? Or um, I ask questions like, just to ask and spark and create engagement with this very controversial question. And the answers, I'll get like hundreds of answers of all different, like people list their entire workouts. Other people say they had sex and then people are like, I ate the whole pizza or whatever. I had a cookie or I laid on the couch all day. Um, and then there's like some people like today was a rest day at the gym and then they'll DM me and tell me why they rested and it's so strict and regimented. And it's like, there's so many levels of this. It's very intricate. It's not black and white. Uh, and the process I'm on learning this is in my opinion, this is like one of the biggest and most beautiful movements I've really ever come across. I think... I, lo- I, I think that this is really great. And I, I can imagine the language that we use would also need to shift or make change. Like there is a lot of language that I've been di- like changing just when it comes to relationships and myself and my self-care, my self-love practice and the I should, I could, I would. So wh- like what are some of maybe like the undiet languages? Can you give some examples or... As in, what do you want to start saying? A lot of it is yes. what you want to stop saying, though. Because, sure. Yeah, what do you like, want to stop saying? Let's let's get into yeah. that list. I'm writing this down, by the way. <laughs> get your so notepads the, out, everyone. <laughs> the, the, la- the language that kind of is a red flag to, huh, is that diet mentality is, of course, should, shouldn't, yeah. can't, have to. Yeah. If it's a rule, it's, it's diet culture because... Only you can know what works for you and having it be flexible and having choices 
is so key. So any rigidity in your language, like I never, I always. Yes. That's like, uh, do you really never? I never eat sugar. Okay, yeah, except for when you binge every weekend. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that was me, right? I'm yep. so healthy. I'm so good. I like do all the programs and I'm so amazing, except for when I go to the gas station and buy six bags of chips and 10 chocolate bars and go sit in my room alone and eat them all. <laughs> but I don't tell anybody I do that. Like, <laughs> It's so, it's so bad. <laughs> and then um, other things that you want to think about is good and bad is any morality around working out, not working out, food, your weight, mm. um, talking about weight, talking about weight gain always being bad and weight loss always being good. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know Lauren went through a lot and lost weight because she had two miscarriages and was in a deep depression and I'm sure, and she got tons of compliments and it's interesting like, because okay, she lost weight. Okay. That's how deep we are in this diet culture is we see someone be thinner and it's good. Yes. When it's can often be an eating disorder. It could be cancer. It could be depression. It could be grief. It could be uh, a physical ailment. They don't know why they're losing so much weight and it's scary to them. And we're saying, oh my God, he looks so amazing. Mm-hmm. It's true. And we it, celebrate weight loss. Like it's the ultimate oh victory. Gosh. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know if anyone's done Landmark. But it's like yeah, uh, I've never done it. I've never done it before. I I have some friends that have done it. I've heard a real mixed bag of opinions on it. Yeah. But I really want to know what you're it, gonna you say. Can take say good it. from it is yeah. a little culty sometimes, but you can take some good things from it. I like the philosophy of most of it. And like one of them, this guy went up and said how he lost all this weight. I swear that got the biggest applause of the whole entire weekend. People are like changing their lives, getting over the trauma of like being sexually assaulted and that gets less of a clap than freaking weight loss like it is messed up how obsessed we are with weight loss it's true it's true we are obsessed with weight loss there is an obsession so i feel like i saw the five phases of undieting but i I feel like there's one more phase and it has to do with obsession Yes, phase five is wellness without the obsession. Okay. So this, but this has to come last. If this comes first, if you try to bypass the other things and then go to wellness without the obsession, it's just like a diet where you're trying to be balanced. Like it does not work. So you have to go through everything else, but then you can get to a place of, okay, like, okay, I understand all this. I've reworked my thinking. I'm pretty free with the way I think, but I feel crappy physically. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Let's focus on your physical wellness now. And it's not a bait and switch. We don't want you to like, okay, now I'm not going to ever eat carbs again. Like, no. Mm -hmm. But after you do all that deep work, then you can like, this is kind of like the fine tuning of, hey, I want to get more vegetables and variety of like uh, fruit, vegetables and and whole grains in my diet or in the way I eat. Mm-hmm. Great. Then you can just start discovering some new recipes that are actually satisfying, that you love, that you're not worrying about the calories in the recipe. You're thinking color and and vibrancy and different types of food to get into your world because you notice you're eating a lot of peanut butter and jam sandwiches and it doesn't feel so great. Like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Moving your body more. Oh, wow, I haven't. Some people have to quit working out for a while when they do this work because it's just too... It just reminds of too much of pursuing weight loss. And it's like redeveloping a healthy relationship with working out where it's not about changing the way you look, but just about feeling good. And yes. you're willing to continue to do it even if your body never changes. 
Oh, that is such a beautiful statement. I love that. And I, I feel like for me, that's running. I really preach, uh, fitness that makes you feel good, whether whatever kind of movement you like, I run and I talk about my running often on Instagram. And yes, it inspires people to move. I have inspired people to go run, but I also really want to drive the message that if you hate running, don't run. Find yeah, something I, I that you love. I no run. So yeah. <laughs> if you see me running, you run because someone's chasing me. Like, uh, I'm not running, but I walk with my mm-hmm. kiddos in the strollers, like, a lot yeah like that's all right now that's all I do because I have two kids under two full time seven days a week oh my god I can't go do anything so (laughs) I walk I get a break I listen to my podcast they're quiet and we walk and that's like that's what works for me and I feel good so and that's great and so but for moms about the obsession even like I'm tired all the time okay get more sleep it's not all about food and exercise Mm-hmm. diet culture makes saying every health issue you have is because of the way you eat and the way you move or the way you don't move it's like actually I get five hours of sleep a night <laughs> yes I need more sleep or I need to de-stress or I need to meditate or I need to do all the other things that are involved in physical health not just food and exercise and or wanting to tune into your body more you're thinking you know what I am just kind of eating to like whatever's in front of me and I'm not being very in tune and working a bit more on that and fine tuning that skill. But that all has to come at the end. But that's the beauty. I was, I was saying like the, the steps sound a bit radical, Yeah. but the results just end in wellness without the obsession and wellness without the focus on the way you look. Cause that isn't wellness. I, I think in a lot of ways, the definition or the culture, the wellness culture needs to be, defined for people or redefined rather because Mm -hmm. what wellness is to me might not be for you everyone is is a little bit different but overall what is wellness what do you believe wellness is well that's what I think is so beautiful and in our course like part of it is like making that definition for yourself and for some people it's like I have a clear mind I don't think about food all day I don't binge eat anymore I kind of eat more normally and I'm flexible and I can go out with my girlfriends and have pizza and not like pay for it the next day by working out more like like repairing my relationship with food is that biggest thing I can do for my wellness and allowing myself to eat chocolate without without beating myself up and and feeling good in my body and having enough energy to do the bike rides that I love and that 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 that. and they kind of create what that looks like for them then they know what they're working towards and they know what the goal is because if your goal is a number of pounds on the scale, if your goal is a number of calories a day, mm-hmm. like there's a there's a very finite lose win line. Oh, I had this many calories allotted and I had ten extra calories. Well, screw it. I lost, yeah. I failed. Whereas one felt the obsession is like, hey, yeah, I feel good most of the time. Awesome. I'm doing great. And if you're still binge eating, okay, how can I how can I look at this binging and figure out where am I restricting? What is going on that's still causing this? And doing, always using the things that you're not loving as things to be curious about, not to beat yourself up about. I want to talk about binge eating because you've mentioned it a couple of times. And binge eating for me looks different every single time. It 
I do do it. <laughs> in fact, um, I was doing, I have some liver issues that I was working with. It was a medically supervised diet, which I wanted to kind of maybe ask you about if you have any comments on that. But before, um, I was doing a very, very restrictive liver detox for 90 days to start 2020 um, to help, you know, improve my my organ health. And I mean, in that, I had a million awakening moments. My body started to feel like it's never felt ever. Um, I was, I felt really, really, really energized and fucking good. I felt amazing. When I went off of that, I slowly kind of weaned myself into all the food that I normally eat as like outside of dairy and gluten. And I binge, I was binging like crazy. It was the most, I don't know, in some cases it was extremely enjoyable and other cases it was extremely disgusting. Like I, I kept teetering on these two mentalities. Like some days I would binge and enjoy and binge mindfully. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a thing, but I'd be like, oh, one more cookie. Oh my God, these are so good. And I would just like love every second of it and not really care. And then the next time I would, I, I literally ate two family sized bags of dill pickle chips one day. My mouth was ripped to shit. Yeah, totally. Like, it was, I couldn't stop eating them, even though it, like, hurt, physically hurt to eat them. Yeah. <laughs> I would like you to speak to binge eating, because binge eating is associated with eating disorders. It's, um... Which, I mean, this, <sighs> maybe this isn't the most popular opinion. I hate the name binge eating disorder. Okay. I have talked, I was wondering if I was totally off on this, but I've talked to a couple eating disorder therapists and they agree with me. Okay. Let's, so I'm let's not talk totally about off left field. But to me, the name says the binge eating is the problem. Fix the binge eating. Have some willpower. Yes. Cut the food out. Don't eat that because you can't handle it. You binge on it. Freaking hell, that's going to make it worse. The binge eating is not the problem in binge eating disorder. It's the restriction and the whole overall relationship with food that's the issue. And of course, working on mindset, working on mental health, working on healing trauma, therapy, like the deeper, deeper work is important too. Mm -hmm. But if you're still restricting the binge eating, at least the desire to do it and just having to fight against it your whole life will be there. And I'd say it's impossible not to give in eventually. So calling it binge eating disorder, which I technically would have had if I had known that even existed when I was in the thick of my dieting, yeah. was only healed for me through not dieting anymore. I didn't ever have to do anything to fix, quote unquote, the binges. They just stopped because my body didn't need to do that anymore because it was getting enough. So if you get to a place where you feel overweight, let's just say and you want to lose weight for whatever that reason would be, like for yourself, does that happen ever in this mentality with this mentality? Or are we just accepting the physical outcomes of our choices? Yes, we are accepting because people seem to think that if you are pursuing weight loss for quote-unquote health reasons, that's magically going to work compared to pursuing weight loss for looks like it's the same process it does not matter your reason to okay. want to lose weight it's just the facts are diets do not work pursuing weight loss does not work for 95 percent of the population if you pursue weight loss you are 66 percent 
there's a 66% chance you will end up heavier than you started, which is why someone dieting for 20 years is heavier than at 40 than they were at 20. Mm. It's the dieting. It's not, oh my gosh, thank God I've been dieting for 20 years. Imagine how much weight I would have gained. It's like, no, if you'd actually just stayed intuitive and been at peace, you would probably just have been pretty steady throughout your life. And of course you fluctuate, but the, the part of this work is just like getting out of the diet mindset that when you gain weight, it's the worst thing that could ever happen to you because that's how our society feels. I don't have the exact reference, or, uh, uh, but there was, a, there was a survey done of young women. It's like, would you rather be fat or get hit by a truck? And the majority of people would rather get hit by a truck. Really? Like that's, a, that's a problem. That's a problem. That is a societal issue right there. Absolutely. What about the changing your lifestyle or making lifestyle choice and mentality? Mm-hmm. I mean, lifestyle is a tricky word because y'all know it's a diet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to be healthy. It's a lifestyle change. Okay. Well, if you feel guilty when you eat a cookie... You're still, it's good. You're in the same mess you were always in. Yeah, yeah. So don't fool yourself. A diet's a diet's a diet. If you're, especially if you're probably doing a lifestyle change, quote unquote, mm-hmm. because you want to lose weight. But if is the your, un- if your motivation is to lose weight, it will not be maintainable. But the and un- the undiet is sort of a lifestyle change, is it not? Isn't it's like an actual lifestyle change? It's, it's like, like an overhaul. Re- if if we have to use that word, it is the real one. But I don't yeah. even like to use that word because it's been so taken over by the diet industry. It but really it has. is just a rewiring of your brain. It really is just rewiring your brain to think differently, so you yeah. are at peace. Like I'll give you a kind of a snapshot before and after of who I was before. My world was the way I looked. I was 16, I was kind of like the chubby kid, like, I look at pictures, I'm like, how adorable is she? Like, she just went through puberty, <laughs> a chubby little cutie, and I just woke up one day in a very, like, healthy way, thought, you know what, I'm gonna, like, start moving my body, and I'm gonna kind of be more conscious of what I'm eating, because, mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be cool to not be, quote-unquote, the chubby one. So I, like, started jumping on my mom's 80s rebounder in the living room for Love 20 it. minutes a day, like, yep. it's so cute. And, and then, but eventually, oh, got a little bit of attention for that. I remember being in my parka, I'm in Canada, in my parka, and my teacher said, oh my God, Jenny, you're losing so much weight. I'm like, you can see it under a parka. Like, I just dropped the weight like that because this is the first time I tried, right? It gets harder the more you do it because your body's like, oh, I know what she's doing. Nah, I'm uh-huh. keeping this weight on, thank you, because I don't want to lose weight because that's what happens when you're like dying in the wilderness. So I, and I, I literally thought about food from morning to night. I joined a gym. I started going to the gym. If I didn't get to the gym, I was a raging bitch because <laughs> I like, and it's not because, Oh my gosh, moving my body is just so good for me. And I'm in a bad mood if I don't work out. I'm like, no, I'm just terrified of not getting thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner because I was getting so much praise. I've got attention from every male yep. <laughs> in the, my vicinity that I never had before. I was just shown that I was more valuable thin. The world said, hey, Jenna, you're more valuable thin. You're more deserving of attention. You're more deserving of love. You're deserving of male attention. That was a big fuel for me. I know for Lauren, her story is very different. She's like, ew, man, (laughs) get away from me. I'm like, look at me, look at me. So we all got our own thing. But food was just everything. Workouts were everything. 
I then went and modeled overseas. Like it was my, it was how I made money. It was my life. How I looked was my life. Mm-hmm. If you look, if I look at the modeling pictures, I'm like, oh my God, I was so skinny. I never saw that in the moment ever. It was never good enough. I was never good enough. I was binging every weekend. I always had some new diet I was on, some new food rule. Like, it was everything. Yeah. And there was really one day where I'm like, I was getting ready to go to Mexico. I was trying on my bathing suit, getting ready to go to Mexico with my now husband and his parents. Like, who the hell cares what I look like with my (laughs) long-term boyfriend and his parents? Like, whatever. It's not, like, this is not a a friend's trip where we're going trying to get guys or anything. So it really doesn't matter what I look like. And I would remember looking in the mirror going, okay, if I just, like, if just lose maybe five more pounds, Mm it'll be so fun. Mm -hmm. I was like, what the hell? Is this, like, I was never happy. I was never satisfied, ever. Even at a weight that is technically, like, underweight. Ever. Fascinating. And so, now I am... But what happened? What was your what was your breaking point or your like awareness point? Of first, like, in that mirror, being like, oh, my God, like, am I ever going to get there? Okay. I've been trying to get there for 10 years. Where is there? Am I ever going to sit and go, oh, I've made it. I'm done. I'm here. Oh. All that hard work. I did it. Not one day in 10 years did I feel that way. Oh, my and God. And so I had that. And then, of course, what would I be if I didn't sell beach body products? <laughs> so I became a beach body coach. Really? When I was still dieting. Okay. And doing all the workouts. Okay, this will motivate me to get in amazing shape, right? Oh, yeah, because I'm going to sell it and make money. So I'll have to be super, super, super fit. And then I remember tying my shoes to go in my dark basement to work out, to do these workouts. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. And I realized, oh, I don't have to. (laughs) I'm the only person saying I have to do it. There's no teacher here telling me it's an assignment. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a grown woman and I'm like retaliating against the rules that I made. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can just not? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a that's a light bulb right there and just moments like that kept going and then I just started with like when I go to my in-laws and they'd have snacks out I just let myself eat them and started with like small things like that and then eventually obviously with like I've been to dietitians being like just make me normal yeah what is that right okay I need to just say this because we all feel like we need to be normal or whatever, whatever that, like, what the fuck is normal when it comes to this? Like I, people look at me and think I'm, they fill in the blanks and make assumptions based Uh on like between my story posts, how my life actually is. And they think they're not normal. And we get into this comparison game of comparing bodies and, and stories and cravings. To me, normal, while there is, like, Ellen Satter came up with normal eating, called normal eating, what is that? Pretty much the definition is, like, you're chill with food, it's just food, freaking relax. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's, that's my I love summary it. of her amazing work, I'm just kidding, go look at her stuff up, but... But it really is. It's just like, man, I'll eat pizza if I want to eat pizza. I'll have a salad if I want to eat a salad, whatever. 
Yeah. I don't think about it all night long. I don't think about food all day long. I don't binge eat because I just eat what I want. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I still feel good. I'm still a healthy, strong, active woman without trying to micromanage everything I put in my mouth because freaking it's fine. That's <laughs> normal to me. So normal means like the way it should be naturally. Not like, oh, you're not normal if you don't do that. No, it's totally fine. You grew up in diet culture. You probably do have some food issues. Yes. Dieting is disordered eating. Let's not, let's, let's say that right now. Dieting is not normal. It's disordered, but we've been taught to be disordered with food. So it's not anyone's fault. But when you are aware of it, it's now your job to heal that. Yes. And maybe even desensitize yourself or stop watching TV. That's what happened to me. Like, I stopped watching TV. So I've not mm. been sold the commercial. I don't watch commercials anymore where mm. people are selling you their whatever. And mm. I, uh, and it, well, that was one step that helped me to start to change the story about how I feel about my body. I don't buy magazines. I don't look at the ads. I don't watch that stuff anymore. It's, like, very helpful to... Like I said, change that story. Um, one of the last things I just wanted to point out before I say goodbye to you, because our hour's o- almost up, was <laughs> I I just have to say I love your work on Instagram. I love your messaging and your posts. I think I said that at the beginning of the show, but one of the posts that you you did was how to flatten the diet culture curve. <laughs> <laughs> that was Lauren's. Oh, that's Lauren's. It's amazing. And I just want to say it says quarantine from diet mentality, social distance from diet talk, wash your hands of body judgment. Oh, I love that one. And wear a mask to keep out the opinions of others. <laughs> <laughs> one person was like, ew, this is cringy. But what? everyone else liked it, so whatever. <laughs> well, uh, you can't please everyone in today's society. We all we all can attest to that. Um, is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you wanted to say along this line before we go? Any last words? Um, is if someone's like feeling resistance to what we're talking about, I encourage them to go learn more about it before you write it off because Mm. your wall might be coming up being like, I can't do that. Like I got to keep this body under control. I got like, I can't Mm. trust this body. Like I got to keep doing my thing. And I was like that forever. Like no one could have come to me with intuitive eating in my 10 years of being in the thick of it and made any difference because I wasn't ready to hear it. Mm. So if you're feeling like I really can't continue to do what I've been doing. I can't do this forever. Can I imagine myself doing this when I'm 80? Okay, no. Well, why don't I change that now? And just keep keep learning. We do have a podcast called How to Love Your Body with over 100 episodes. So you can learn a lot without having to commit to much. Um, Amazing. But it is this, the going from a dieter to an undieter is the one biggest thing that changed my entire life in my lifetime. And you guys, you guys have some courses. Can you mention those really quick? Here? Yes, we have a 21-day body image intensive, which is for 21 days you get an email with an activity or a journaling prompt cool. to work on body image. So that's really important. We have our Undiet Academy, which is three months of working with us and uh, going through those five phases okay. of undieting. 
Um, and then we will also be coming out with a wellness without the obsession course for people who are ready intuitive eaters, but they're like, okay, but I still feel shitty (laughs) (laughs) kind of adding that wellness on top, but that's definitely for not for newbies because that would just turn into a diet. So we have a whole variety of things to help people. Um, and a lot of free resources from our, uh, Instagram and podcasts. So you can definitely learn a lot before you have to commit to anything. Well, I'm definitely, I'm definitely drawn into your messaging. I it really resonates with me. I I love you. Thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about this and educate me a little bit more. I want more of it. I want to be exposed <laughs> with more of this talk. I I feel like I need to hear it five thousand more times for it to keep sinking in on because you know some days I'm more hormonal than other days. Some days I listen better. Some days I don't give a shit what anyone thinks. So the more I hear it in different ways, the better I believe. And that's what our work is all about. Like even if our three month course is like us saying a lot of the same things over and over and over Mm -hmm. and over and over in different ways. But you do, you've been hearing diet culture for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. You got to start hearing this stuff a lot to make it shift. Well, thank you so much and continue to do this beautiful work. And I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. What a show. Okay, that's all for today. I want to thank my guest Jenna from the Body Love Society for that incredible insight on diet culture. I don't know about you, but I feel a big shift within me. You can find more about the Body Love Society on their Instagram page at, at the Body Love Society or at their website www.thebodylovesociety.com. All of these links will be in the show notes. If you haven't done so yet, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Google Play and subscribe, rate, and leave a written review. Follow the show on Spotify and share on your social media. Thank you all so much for listening. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.